Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tribune Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms blog. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. I'm Denise Hanitka. So glad to be back with you for episode number 20. Episode number 20, we've made it this far and we have so much support so far, which has been so awesome. And keep sharing, keep um, subscribing and let a friend know that we're here because we see the difference in the numbers and it, um, it makes me feel fantastic. So today on the podcast, I have Emma Hicks with me. And um, Emma is an entrepreneur, inspirational, motivational woman on the move. Is that how would you d- describe yourself? <laughs> that sounds about right. Yes. <laughs> well, Emma, I'm so glad you're here because you have so many projects that you can talk about. And one in particular that we're going to spend a lot of time on is called Camp Climb. Yeah, I'm so excited. Camp Climb is, it's the fifth brand that I have created. I am a passionate entrepreneur and this one is like sticking for the longevity. Okay. So I heard about Camp Climb from a couple of my creative friends. And the minute you read about people's experiences at Camp Climb, you go, well, how did I miss that? Why didn't I get to go to Camp Climb? Yes. So we're going to dive into Camp Climb and what um, you're so passionate about in just a little bit. But we're going to start with our wins and losses from the week. And I want to start with my win because um, it, it goes back to what I was saying before about thank you so much for all the support. So I had a, I had a garbage week last week. Like I just had one of those crummy crummy weeks, you know, where you just don't feel like you're gelling. You just kind of feel like you're in a bit of a funk. And so randomly, I went to Apple Podcasts and I started reading some of the reviews that you all have left. And I was like, oh my gosh, how can I be having such a garbage week when there's just these little sweet love notes in the reviews? So I just want to read one that like really, really touched my heart. So one of the reviews says... Um, the host, Denise Hanitka, is a mother on another level. She has the best laugh and a voice that inspires me to enunciate more clearly. Her topics are relatable and informative, and you finish each episode a little more aware and probably a better person. It's like a lunch with a really good friend that makes you think, laugh, and if you need it, cry just a little. Like that, like that blows my mind. That's like the nicest compliment I've ever received. So thank you for leaving these sweet notes. It's so motivating for me. And um, it just makes me feel good that, that this is reaching someone and that it resonates with someone. So 
Right. It's awesome. I mean, when you get feedback on your projects, mm -hmm. you've got to feel the same way, right? Yes. And when you are having the bad weeks and it starts to get into your head that it's all about you, when yes. you can go out into the external world and see that you're making a difference or yeah. put some positive energy out to somebody else, it really makes a mind shift. And so I hope that whoever left this review knows that I read it at like the pivotal time when I needed it most. And to be honest with you, I avoid reading the reviews because I'm always afraid there's going to be 10 wonderful reviews, but the only one I'm going to remember is the person who says that I was boring. I hear <laughs> you, you know there. What I mean? Yes. So um, I, I just appreciate it so much. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the kind words. Um, keep uh, giving us ratings because it actually does help us out in terms of Apple Podcasts knowing that we're here and um, keeping it in the mix so other people can find us. So that is a tremendous, tremendous help. My other win from the week is I went to a 1920s party on Saturday. Theme parties are not my jam. Like I do not love a theme party, but for some reason I just really embraced this one and it was so, so fun. So I got styled for the event by my friend Stephanie. She is with Simply Stephanie Style, another entrepreneurial woman. And um, so she does personal styling and she came up with this fantastic outfit for me. She pulled all these little pieces from Amazon so it was completely affordable. Um, and then she, um, she helped me with some, just some ideas for my husband's outfit. And so I went to um, that Dillard's Mega Clearance, you know, here in town. I love that place. <laughs> so the Dillard's Mega Clearance has all these vests. So I just picked him up like a random vest and I got it home and it did not fit him at all. And I'm like, oh my God, where am I going to find another vest? I have just such little time remaining. And so we put that darn vest on him and I just started cutting the back like just taking big hunks out of it with the scissors until that baby buttoned. So he left his jacket on all night, needless to say. But when you take big old slices out of the vest in the back, it really does make a nice custom fit. That is amazing. <laughs> so that oh. is how we win. That's how we take it to a mother level when we just start hacking up our husband's clothes. So mm. does anyone want to cut up vest? I have one. <laughs> Emma, how did you win this week? Yeah, I would say today was a big win. We had all three kids home and just have been really cautious of where I put meaning to things. And um, also that today is a choice and I can choose to be overwhelmed or I can choose to just embrace this time we have together. Yeah. Um, there was definitely some work that needed to get done. So it was me surrendering control in the kitchen and letting them take Betty Crocker cookie mix and make the kitchen a mess and yes. cut out cookies. Um, so I'm really just proud of myself for surrendering, surrendering some control with the kids and making memories and being more present. Um, that's just something that I have been really working on in the last year is to be doing less and being more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is hard to do. I mean, I remember I made a concerted effort this year with the pumpkin carving to, to not freak out about the mess and the guts because last year I just I was hovering over Abram and just like don't put the guts over here you got to put the guts in this bag and I mean neither of us enjoyed it yeah you know right and same with the cookie baking I know if you worry about the flour on the ground then what yep Yep. And that uh, like sugar cookie dough that you make from scratch and you got to put it in the fridge for 24 hours. And it's just a lot of prep work. Yeah. I'm like, this is from a bag. Do your thing. I could care less if these are even edible. You know, I didn't <laughs> yes. put hours into making this cookie dough. Yeah. It's going to be all right. So yeah. 
But that's something you have to like intentionally remind yourself like, hey, chill. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fine. We're just Mm going to clean this up. Yes. Yes, most (laughs) definitely. Yeah. Another win, I would say the slower weekends that we've been having this last weekend, another white space weekend. And to be accepting that we are just being there was a lot of weekends leading up to these most recent weekends where what are we supposed to be doing? You know, feeling this pressure from who? you know, Mm -hmm. just the voices in my head, but really now enjoying just being and not feeling like we have to get to our to-do lists or, um, get something accomplished at home. Yeah. Which, I mean, is that hard for you to draw a boundary? I mean, when you're an entrepreneur and your home is your workspace, is it hard to create those Mm -hmm. defined times when you do not work? It is. It is. And I really need that come down to when I'm in um, such like a masculine, headstrong state of mind, being in control of my business. And then where I need to come into more of a heart centered feminine energy when I'm with the kids. So there definitely is this transition period. Um, really been working in on more communication with my husband because he recently has transitioned into being an entrepreneur as well. Cool. Working from home. Yeah. So it's, it, there's been a lot of transitions happening. I think it's really been helping us to grow though. And yeah. Probably our marriage more than anything. Really? With that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just being vulnerable, like not just going through the motions anymore. And it's like, okay, well we have to like communicate better and just things we've needed to work on and yeah living a non-traditional life it's like okay 10 years in now we're really going to start focusing on the marriage yeah so what I mean what do you think has made the biggest difference for you guys in terms of communication Mm -hmm. I think me in really growing a connection with myself this last year and like I said stepping away from that frenetic energy moving to the farm from the city and that deeper connection with myself has allowed me to grow in maturity, I suppose, but also to hold space for him and um, just be open to whatever is to come from that. And it's been really cool to, yeah, just show up in this new self. And I think back to my old self a lot of times and I'm like, she would just pat her on the back right now, (laughs) but you know, ah. (laughs) Um, So my fail this week, um, maybe is not so rare. I told my friend about it and she said it's happened to her too, but I had the biggest diaper fail of all time. It was kind of humiliating because it happened in front of a younger coworker. And I'm sure he was like, what in the world? I'm never having kids. Okay. So I brought my boys into work the other day because they're going to be part of a little promotion for the podcast. And, um, so I'm outside at the playground. It was that random 50 degree day or whatever it was. And my littlest, my nine-month-old Everett was just wearing like a onesie and some little like baby jeans or something. And I don't even think he had socks or little shoes on or anything. It was warm enough. And so um, I'm standing there out on the playground and um, my coworker is shooting video of, you know, me like mothering or whatever I was doing. And all of a sudden I feel a splash on my foot and I look down and there is a puddle on the sidewalk. And I'm like... Where, where did that, where did that come from? And I'm just holding up my baby like, what in the world? Because his pants are dry, but there's nowhere else that this puddle could have come from other than him. So I don't know how it happened, but somehow he peed directly down the leg of his little baby jeans. 
and onto the sidewalk. And so my first, my first impression was like, oh my gosh, like when's the last time I changed this kid's diaper? Like, am I going to take this thing off? And it's so saturated, like shame on you. (laughs) But then I went to the bathroom and the diaper wasn't saturated at all. So somehow the liquid just like sailed out of the diaper. What that what is, is that? So I don't oh know. My, my friend maybe thought it was like one of those like weird like baby you know things kind of just mm-hmm. <laughs> shoot wherever they shoot. You right. Know? <laughs> and with a boy versus the girl too, exactly. things can get navigated. Right. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Right. So I don't know because I immediately blamed the diaper brand. You know what I mean? And yep. I'm like, I better not buy these diapers again. But now my friend yeah. is saying, oh yeah, you know, you just especially with baby boys. They, I was say the boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just shooters. Yes, they are shooters. <laughs> that is a real thing. Oh my god. Yeah. Gosh. So my coworker was like, okay, like your baby just like peed on the <laughs> sidewalk. That's great. So anyway, <laughs> huge diaper fail. Did you get your film done? Yeah. 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 So we're finishing it up and getting it um hopefully getting it on social media soon. But yeah. Aww. Yeah. My kid peed on the sidewalk, right out his own jeans. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> love this. Do you have a loss from this week? A loss from this week. I had my daughter Kaylor's sixth birthday party with her friends at our home on Friday night after school. So she is in kindergarten and it was a busy work day leading up to that and trying to figure out, okay, where am I going to stop? Um, living in the present moment, it keeps things simple, Mm -hmm. but it also like when these events like this come up, it's like, okay, oh, you have a birthday party and you have kids coming over in less than an hour, literally 15 minutes before going to pick up. I mean, the house is a disaster. I had leftover from the Iowa gathering, some, um, like pennants and, uh, I don't know, decorations of some sort. So I just took those and threw them up everywhere, slapped them, um, managed to somehow turn the alarm clock off for the cake, the cake tasted like a sponge it was um completely like no like yeah (laughs) half the size of the pan it started in I had that in the pantry cooling and so got the kids there was seven of them that came home and it was fine I think you know she I think she was fine Mm -hmm. there just wasn't much structure there for kindergartners (laughs) (laughs) Um, my daughter, she's a middle child, so she did not like that she was being pulled in a million different directions and she couldn't please everybody. So, you know, is that something maybe I could have added a little bit more activity going on and not just had dancing around chairs and then go ahead and do whatever you want for the rest of this time. (laughs) I I don't know. know. Yeah. So it was like kind of a little bit of a slap in the face reminder, like slow down and just maybe get fresh perspective on Sundays. Yeah. What it is that's happening for your week. And yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. Well, she, I mean, she's not going to remember it as anything other than a great birthday. And I had a bunch of my friends over. Yeah. She does say she wants like two friends. This is not for her. She had a meltdown and she was like, Mm. I can't, I can't be in a million different places at one time. (laughs) So yeah, uh, that was funny too, because her older sister had this birthday party in October and she's like, that's what I want to do. And then she has it and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Your personalities are very different. We're different people. Yes. Oh, but she still wanted to do what Big Sissy did. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. It is. Yeah. 
I want to transition into our moms in the headlines. And so I want to prefer this, preface this by saying this is not a political conversation, okay? So nobody tune out. Um, but the article that I chose um, just jumped off the page at me because we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about ways to improve our work-life balance and to, you know, feel like we are you know, as solid at home as we are at work and things like that. And so um, the article title is Senator Kamala Harris. She's running for president, as you know. She introduced a bill to lengthen the school day by three hours. And really what she's suggesting here is that the school day be the equivalent of the work day. You know, so everyone works the nine to five. A lot of people work the nine to five, nine to six. So she's suggesting that school is nine to six. And so I'm not going to weigh in on on the merits of this plan, but the whole point here is to talk about ways to make life a little bit more, um, to, to marry the fact that there are two income households and kids that need care and school days and activities and all that stuff. So how can we align these two things together? Because there's a lot of conversation about how, you know, just really the U.S. is just so far behind on on accommodations for working families and for children and things like that. So Mm -hmm. my question to you, Emma, is what do you think what do you think is some meaningful action that um, that actually can be taken that would have benefits for for families in our area? Yeah, uh, I think that life is meant to be enjoyed and we are meant to spend it with our families. So if we can just maybe take our work days down to a mm-hmm. nine to three p.m. work day, um, I always have said that versus a forty-hour work week. I think I could get more done in a 20-hour work week than yeah. I ever could in a 40-hour and just get diligent, just be very proactive with the time that we are given and so grateful to, you know, like mm-hmm. operating out of such a gratitude mindset that I get to drop my kids off at school and I get to pick them up and this is just a lifestyle that I get to live yeah. and I think that should be, that would be really, really amazing too. Yeah. I think well-being could be, you know, so much higher. Maybe the kid, yeah, I don't know, more structure, more stability. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, and, you know, I I 100% realize that I'm very fortunate on this level, but, I mean, maternity leave is just so, so out of whack, I think, with, um, you know, with what is appropriate for a woman who's just had a baby and beyond that, really. So it's, um, I had my baby in January, and so now in November... You know, when you work for a company, and this is not directed at my company, I know this is pretty standard across the board, but, you know, when you take maternity leave, they take your sick time, and they take a portion of your vacation time, and you're not accruing, and da-da-da. And so basically what that translates into is it's now November, and I haven't taken very much time off because Mm -hmm. I don't have it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't have it. And you could argue that that first year of a child's life is when you need that time Mm because some days I'm just burnt. You know what I mean? And I don't have any sick days. And then my kid gets sick and then my husband has to come home. And you know what I mean? I just think there's, there's a lot of meaningful ways that, um, that we could help working families that would have more of an impact than maybe handing out, um, you know, more money for this or for that, but just really more balancing lifestyle stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, that has such a huge impact on, you know, your, your mental health and just your childcare and all that stuff. 
Oh, I so agree I hope with I didn't you. get political because I really don't want to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I you don't guys know don't want to hear me do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't Mm-mm. have much to give on this end. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with everything you're saying. I've been thinking a lot, too, of that 12 week of your maternity leave. Yeah. I think it's really isolating for a mom. That oh, my postpartum gosh. depression. And so that first week you bring your kid home and it's all cutesy and then your husband starts going back. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like that's just like, that's where all that isolation and loneliness just keeps yeah. brewing and brewing and brewing. And how do you ever come back from that? Yeah. I don't know. I've been really thinking about that a lot lately. Yeah. yeah. So, cause you were, you were working in like the more corporate world mm-hmm. when you had your kids. Yep. When the first one I yes. was. And, you know, right out of high school, I had to, at five weeks, go back to work, sent my child at to daycare. At five weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. And so and she... And you were very you were very young at this I point. Was very young. Yeah. yeah. And I was sending... I would leave at dark. I would come home at dark. So it was a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. First one to drop off my kid. You know, last one to pick her up. And, yeah, crazy. So that's when I got into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Because I was like, I need the flexibility. I need more freedom. I was raised with a mom who was an entrepreneur and really kind of weaved in that work-life blend. And Mm -hmm. I learned so much from that hands-on experience that I got to spend time with her doing. And that was really important and still remains really important for me to any way that I can get my kids to see more of me being an entrepreneur. There's just so much to learn there for them. I mean, I, I, I have so much admiration for entrepreneurs because I just feel like it takes an unbelievable amount of courage mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. It's that, I mean, do you yeah. think that's true? Uh, yeah. So it's definitely been baby steps outside my comfort zone. Um, I would say that it started out as a passion project, an outlet. Oh, yeah. You know, low risk, low reward. And it's just been building confidence and trust in myself ever since then, which was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of courage. Yeah. I think I come with a lot of courage, <laughs> which is probably why I can build community around entrepreneurs yeah. and, um, they feel supported because the courage just comes naturally for me. And I like to challenge people and I like to challenge myself. Um, but yeah, it, it does. And I feel like too, sometimes it just takes a really big push that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, okay, now what am I going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your push then? Yeah. Um, so when I was doing catering and sales here in the Quad Cities, I actually got fired from that position. Um, I w- that would be a whole thing of politics too. Yeah. Until it gets burned <laughs> down a few months later, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but that really just like, oh my gosh, I thought I was this really hard worker, you know, good at what I was doing. And so I had to sit into like, well, what's next? My husband is going to work seven days a week now so that we can figure out we had just bought a house at the age of 19, you know, like just trying to do it. Yeah. And, um, so I went and had a few job interviews. Those job interviews were just going to be breaking even to send my child to daycare and do that. And that's when Spencer got his scholarship back for, football at UNI. So we were like, okay, pick it up. We're going to sell this house. We did a quick flip to that, made some money, put it in our pockets, got up there, reinvested that money into another flip home. And, um, then just 
I guess intuitively, I said I needed something with flexibility with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And the only experience I have is to go work at a bar. And my husband was like, you are not going to work at the (laughs) College Hill. I was like, okay. Um, And just trying to, yeah, like figure out, you know, we're this young, but we want to build a solid foundation with our family and, you know, be treated with respect from people when we're out and about. So we're trying to act like we're 30. And yeah. It was just So, weird. I mean, hold on. So I, I really want people to understand this. So you're 19 years old, you're married, and um, you're trying to figure out your way. And then meanwhile, you're like flipping houses and making, I mean, you're making yeah. huge decisions mm-hmm. at 19. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about myself making any level of decision at 19. And that just wasn't going to happen. Like mm-hmm. how, how, mm-hmm. how did you have that, mm-hmm. that strength at such a young age? Yep. Raised by a single mom, um, she entrepreneur working 90 hours a week, so really independent. Um, and just, I had always, I mean, ever since I can remember, I didn't like to watch cartoons. Um, I just could not wait for the day that I was going to be an adult and have a family. Yeah. And always mature beyond my years, old soul, got told that okay. a lot. So, I really craved at the age of 19, really for some middle-aged person to have a conversation with me and take me serious. My mom, she owns a bar. So it would be me up there and like, I had a lot of wisdom, but you know, nobody's going to listen to the little 13 year old girl who's, you know, trying to have conversation with me. And, um, so it feels good to be in my twenties and that my voice is heard and that I know what I'm talking about. Um, but so you're 19, um, at this time. And so do, I mean, do you, do you face a lot of judgment from people? Well, when we went up to Cedar Falls, that was like, I didn't know anybody. This is brand new identity. We're going to go up here and be who we want to be. Who do we want to be? So this is a fresh, clean slate. And, um, I would say back home, definitely feeling a lot of judgment, yeah. a lot. And that's when I stepped back into the quad cities, uh, five years after we moved up to Cedar Falls, I stomped in with so much outward confidence into networking events. I was like, do not claim me for that teenager. I was, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. So we were talking about your push, um, to get into entrepreneurship. So you're, you're flipping these houses, you're getting yourself situated as a brand new family of three. What happens next? Mm-hmm. Um, so opened up a storefront and that was needing that flexibility. And I was going to auctions and flipping furniture and turning, hoping to double my money on that. And we filled our garage at our home and we're having people come in and out, opened up a Facebook page, called it stews. And it was going over really good. Having all these beautiful, nice, like-minded women come to my house and strangers turning friends. Um, so We outgrew the garage and I needed to go off site. So I did a Craigslist search um, under commercial looking for storage. And this storage was actually on commercial property. So it could be a storefront, but it was just a 1990s garage. And this, this right here was where I had a middle-aged man take me serious in what I was saying. And I walked in there and I said, would you consider, since this is on commercial property, um, there's a parking lot opportunity here or we can put a sign up here on the main street and direct them back. Cause it was just kind of tucked back mm-hmm. in a nook. And he listened to me. He spray foamed it. He built a staircase up to this little attic. Oh, I wow. met a mom at a park and she was going to be transitioning from stepping out of corporate, doing graphic design into doing um, photography. Now she does newborn photography, specializes in that up in Cedar Falls still. And is 
killing it but that's like a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) (laughs) um so he listened and he did it and we had this um garage that we were renting for 300 dollars a month and we had an article land in the waterloo courier up in cedar falls and that first weekend from just like stuff i had bought i mean of course buying with like this vision and curating it as well as i could but from that article selling five thousand dollars out of this little garage and it still looked like i had a storefront i was like what and these strangers coming and like i love your story and this is so cool and i'm like i'm 20 years old with a baby on my hip and my husband plays football like this isn't cool i was just (laughs) waiting for that story like where i'm sitting now like oh i don't know what you guys see but Anyways, um, yeah, it's it's been a really, really cool ride. That's very cool. And, and whole, I mean, uh, so what time period was this? Like, I feel like you were flipping furniture before flipping furniture was cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2012, and that was right on that cusp. Yeah. Of, yep, yep. Like, that's when Pinterest is coming around, yep. and everybody's, like, deciding that they can chalk paint mm-hmm. their stuff. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and I definitely hit the Facebook, too, when I okay. created the business page before algorithms were such an issue, which yeah. was such a blessing, yep, to gain some good traction there. We'd have Tuesdays, Tuesdays, so we would have these um, weekly auctions, and people would bid on these pictures of stuff that um, I didn't want in the store anymore and gained consistency and would have repeat customers in week after week. We'd do a Mm -hmm. flip every week with our furniture and the storefront. I was doing vintage markets, so that's where I really got a feel for the energy that I wanted to create. Okay. Also kind of pulls into the Camp Climb brand of just being surrounded by like-minded people who are like, I want to turn my passion into profit and make the world a better place. And I would never make money at those vintage markets, but I would just come back for these people. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, um, how did it work then at that time uh, with your daughter? I mean, were you able to, like, did you have her at home with you during that time or? Yeah. So with my daughter, I did everything with her. She went to auctions. She worked with me every day. And same with the photographer who was upstairs too. She had our daughter and son were four days apart. So they did everything with us. And it oh, was, wow. It was really beautiful. Um, and that's the way my mom raised me and my sister. We just did. It was no questions. And we didn't have a support system up in Cedar Falls for the children. So then when I got pregnant with number two, I still thought I was invincible. And I was able to like pull it off, but I was mentally just not well. Mm -hmm. I was so not suffering from postpartum depression, but just being so out of touch of myself. Um, Didn't know that self-care existed. Didn't know that time for myself was important. Um, anxiety, terrible, terrible anxiety, like to the point where I couldn't even pick up a drink and get it to my mouth because I was just so out of balance. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, like some hypochondriac, you know, like, oh, I think I'm dying all the time. I think I have cancer. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an MD, but that sounds like postpartum anxiety. I mean, which is a huge topic now. I feel like people are talking about that in addition to postpartum depression. Okay. I will have to look that up. Yeah. 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 I mean, very well could be. So how did you deal with that? Mm -hmm. Well, I got on an antidepressant a very small dosage after Kaler and still powered through with the two girls doing the business. It was when I got pregnant with number three. So then I come off of the antidepressant Okay. and I feel great. It's because being that hypochondriac, since I'm pregnant, like 
every symptom I'm having, I'm like, oh, it's because I'm pregnant and I'm, it's beautiful and I'm alive. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I feel really, really great. And number three was like, okay, you have to put the brakes on. You don't have a choice. So that's when we moved down to the Quad Cities and renovated the farmhouse. Um, we just generaled that. We didn't do a lot of the physically my husband will say different <laughs> uh, my husband really took good lead on that project and I still wanted to have creative identity so I had a lifestyle blog called mainandsecond.com and that was just dabbling in blogging and that's actually how this production company found us okay where we had a tv show opportunity um through Python Productions, HGTV show called Small Town Big Pick that was a pilot that actually did air okay. in January of 2018. So what was that like, filming yeah. that pilot? We just did it. Um, so, so grateful looking back that we didn't what get What was the it. concept of it? Was it kind of like American Picker-esque? Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we would just go out to barns. We would go to auctions, go to flea markets, uh-huh. grab stuff, bring it back to our own barn, flip it, freshen it up, restore it, and then take it to a market or have it sold to a client that we had lined up. And yeah, it was just really just a reality TV show with me and my husband and our three kids just doing life here in Iowa. Was it um, a good experience filming it? Yeah. So it was an opportunity that I didn't want to turn down. Yeah. See what could come from it. I didn't want to live with regrets. It was really the production company we worked with was really amazing. Um, but still kind of like in this mindset of fake it till you become it kind of thing. And then also to starting that storefront and doing the vintage markets. And then like you make it to the top as an outside perspective of you get that HGTV show. And so then we have this opportunity and like, Oh, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. So what makes you say that? Yeah. Um, just the endless hours of filming. Okay. Um, that family isn't coming first anymore. Mm-hmm. And we have lost control of how we are going to be spending our time, which mm-hmm. is a huge thing for us. And yeah, just feeling more of like a robot and feeling yeah. like we're being like pulled in different directions and dictated and you know, this and is you what don't you have do any control of how you're being portrayed as a family either. No. Yeah, right. And I think they did. A, I think they did a good job of that part. It was fine. Yeah. But it was like, um, you know, OK, the kids need to run down in the blue old pickup truck to Muscatine. And OK, that's great. So we're going to do that for an hour and we're going to do redo us driving out of our driveway seven different times. Oh my gosh. And then we're going to get there, but then the kids need to be occupied for seven hours. Cause we're going to do seven hours of filming and, Oh, well we need them here for 20 minutes and okay. Like, okay, come out here. I know it's just, yeah, it was different. Okay. So and when ends up ha- that one, pilot airs mm-hmm. and then what happens? Yep. So the pilot airs and then it re airs and then we get a call in April of 2018 that it doesn't get picked up. And, less than 1% chance of ever hearing back from you. A fun little statistic just to kind of put things in perspective. So a thousand people get approached, like HGTV will put out something, hey, this is what we're looking for. So we'll find like a thousand candidates for that. Of the thousand candidates, they'll pitch a sizzle, which is a five minute reel. And a hundred of those will get picked up for a podcast. Of those, or podcast, 100 of those will get picked up for a pilot. Okay. From those 100, 10 of those pilots will actually air 
and then of that, one will get picked up for series. Oh, it's wow. It's kind of like the odds of that. Okay. So it was cool to be like, oh, we got it to that far, but it was the biggest relief. I do this exercise with some of my um, people in the Camp Climb brand of mapping out your own mountain scheme and how your lows serve your highs. Okay. And one of the biggest highs for me was getting that phone call and just this sense of relief because... I had created the Camp Climb brand in this lull of a six-month waiting period if we were going to get picked up for the series or not because I just had this deep, deep desire. Like, if we get the series or not, I need this support um, and to foster community that is centered around community over competition that wants to grow together, knows we're better together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the exercise is showing, like, Tell me more about that. I'm intrigued by it. So you're basically talking about how this one, this, these, these highs and lows play into one another. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you can actually identify your why out of this, but. Okay. Uh, so like just thinking, I will take mine, you know, if I started mine at the lowest point, teen pregnancy, like what okay. am I going to do with my life? So that's such a low. Uh-huh. Well, then I land, I wanted to go to school always for event planning and design. So I landed a job that was in alignment with that sales coordinator, getting promoted to catering and sales manager, think things are on the right track. Yeah. So I'm climbing up a little bit on my mountain and I like to track it from low, medium and like a really high point. Okay. And then coming back down, getting fired. And then it's going back up, getting the chance to rebuild my identity and you'll start to see, you'll have some really drastic highs and lows a lot of times in the beginning. Okay. And then it'll start to get middle ground. And then you'll start to kind of get up into that higher vibration and you'll start to hang out up there and things will just kind of hang out out there and you won't have such those like drastic highs yeah. and lows of those pivotal points. So, but when you, when you put that all out in a visual, does it kind of help you picture like why things happen the way they mm -hmm. did. It almost see it, it almost feels to me like you're yeah. mapping out like what is meant for you and what yep. is not meant for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my why in life is following my intuition so restoration can happen. And if you look at everything that I've created, it's all a restoration project from our the main and second platform of the blog being the restoration of our farmhouse to restoring furniture to restoring community to restoring now on to like restoring our marriage and how is that going to have its solid foundation restoring myself in this last year and how growing myself has grown my business and my brand. Yeah. So definitely big correlations. Wow. And so this is basically what you teach through Camp Climb? This is one of the exercises. Okay. Yep. We uh, took 14 women out on an intimate intensive, which is an intimate retreat with like-minded women to Oregon in April. And this is where we first did that exercise okay. and really just got curious about what it is that our whys are. And it's, you know, like anything that where I'm like really sitting on anything low has to do with loneliness. And I really want to bridge the la bridge the gap to loneliness. More importantly, with Camp Climb, bridging that gap from online to in real life. Like I just know the power of in real life interactions, just how like even us, this is the first in real life podcast episode I've ever aired, which okay. is really fun. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's start at the basics. Camp Climb um, is two years old. Yeah. So what, it, what was your idea for the very first Camp Climb? Yep. So putting that focus on solely an annual summer camp for women to come together. I had the base tent peak tracks already figured out at that time. I wanted these, I wanted to get 
basically three camps in one and making sure that you're surrounded with people that you can relate to in business. And you actually mean camp is the thing. Mm -hmm. You mean yeah. this is like on, is it like kind of like a Girl Scout camp type of place? Yes. Okay. Yep. yep. So a lot of nostalgic feels coming out there. Yeah. Um, Why did you want to do it that way? Yeah. Just like getting back to a more innocent side and um, just feeling free. Um, that inner child, let it come out, you know, um, show up your truest self. And totally yeah. disconnect. And, and you have totally. to like really, you have to really commit to it because you, you are out there yes. in this nothingness, yes. empty space. Yes. Yep. Disconnecting in nature setting to connect with yourself and mm -hmm. with other people. Yeah. Like-minded. Um, we do have upgraded options this year. Anybody at any level, it used to be only our peak um, can upgrade to come into the air conditioning, <laughs> which is exciting. Well, and it's important because this is in August is when it you hold is. Camp Climb. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. They're, they're very excited about that. Um, so for the very first Camp Climb, how did you, um, how did you sell the idea? You know what I mean? How did you get people to sign up? Yeah. So without a logo, without a website, I reached out to Jenna Kutcher and she is a big Midwest influencer Everything that she spoke on, I knew that her audience was very, just the people that I would want to be surrounded with. They are craving to leave a legacy behind, to make a mark on the world, but to get down to um, their most truest selves. Okay. And she just really models that. She's definitely a good mirror and reflection for everybody that is a supporter of hers. Okay. And so she came back at me. She said it would be $10,000 to have her come and speak at Camp Climb. Holy smokes. I said, yep, let's do it. Yeah. I believed in her so much. And so since she, she had probably 100,000 followers at that time, she was a big, big influencer. Mm -hmm. But right after that, then she went viral. And now she's like in the runnings with Rachel Hollis and Tony Robbins and oh, all those wow. big okay. wigs. Yeah. She's, that's her like circle now and her vibration. But um, she just really latched onto the idea that we were going to be doing something in the Midwest that is usually something you would have to go find on the East or West coast. Sure. So you're getting, um, you know, we're pulling in other really great speakers. Our intentions are in alignment with hers. Um, she speaks to our core values. And so since she said, yes, we really just, used her in our marketing and promoting of this. And a lot of the people who committed to Camp Climber heard about it was through her speaking about it on her podcast or on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool to... Okay, so, I mean, reaching out to her, were you like terrified just to even put that call out there to her? I can't find that original email. I get yeah. asked this a lot. Like, what the heck? I had heard there was a couple women in Iowa city area and they had reached out to her and had been thinking, Oh, that'd be fun to get her. And she was $5,000 at that time. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys, why are you not jumping on this? So I was like, I'm going to reach out and see. Mm -hmm. And then it was 10,000 and I still was like, not even batting an eye. Okay. Right. Yeah. We're going to go with this. Um, no, I, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't. No. Yeah. See that would terrify me mm -hmm. and that would keep me from, um, you know, going for something that I would want because I would automatically think that that person opens up the email and goes, ugh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. How, like, yep. <laughs> yep. how do you, uh -huh. how do you 
get mm. out of that mindset of I'm not, I'm not worth reading this email. Mm. Know oh what my I mean? gosh, yeah. Self-worth is so huge. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I guess just being okay with the worst case scenario. I Which think is, that, you just never will hear from them. Yeah, never hear from them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's or the worst that can happen? Maybe the worst is can happen is they tell you that your idea is terrible. Right. And this is the stupidest thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, and I think maybe I just sit into that. Like, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? And you can't ask for what you don't get. It's been really powerful to be amongst like-minded women where we are saying our dreams out loud more and we're seeing how they evolve. We're giving ourselves permission to say things out loud, not because they're going to happen just like we say, but then also giving ourselves permission to let them ever evolve into something completely different that, you know, I just had an instance today we would like to host this workshop with you um, up in Madison and have you be a part of it. And that was about a month ago. And she got back in contact and she's like, you know, after sitting on that, I think maybe this could be something that you would like to be in attendance for or be on the panel for. And we're kind of taking this a different direction. And I just think that is so cool and yeah. so beautiful. Um, it's so empowering to be able to speak your dreams and like not have to, you know, you ever say dream and you're like, oh my gosh, now I'm being held to that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. I think it's Agreed. Just like, but there's also so much power in saying it out loud. And then what could happen from that? You know, especially with like-minded people, you know, sometimes you say your dreams to some people and they're like, I just mm. don't, there's a, there's a certain, certain, yeah, like-minded brain out there that can understand and kind of feed off of what you're saying. Yeah. But I a hundred percent think that one thing that holds me back is being afraid to ask for help mm. and being afraid to reach out to, um, you know, people who have expertise in certain areas in yeah. fear of looking stupid or like, I don't mm. belong doing the thing that I'm asking about. Mm. Yeah. Know? I would, yeah, I would, um, what value, whatever you're seeing in that person, I would just really go after them and like, tell them what you do see in them and like what you really value Yeah, and how you could see them adding value to you. Cause we all want to serve others and we yeah. all want to help others. Um, there's just like a different way I think of wording, it because that one line of oh can I pick your brain for you know a cup of coffee like oh no yeah but they want the same thing that they would want if you pitched it as I see so much value in you and I really think that you could add value to me mm -hmm. yes I would love to add value to you okay the other know. thing I like about the idea of Camp Climb is um, here is this group of women and maybe some have overlapping goals and dreams and things like that but I don't see it as a competition thing. Mm. It seems like everybody is there and acknowledging the fact that the, sh the sun can shine on everyone. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so true. And that's when we attract um, and bring in our keynote speakers, leaders, they all have to align with our core values and they stay there the entire weekend to hold space for our attendees for the entire weekend. Um, I live by the golden rule, treating people the way I would want to be treated. And that too, with that HGTV show opportunity, I want to be treated the way I'm treating you. Like I'm just another person, no mm -hmm. matter how much success I should ever gain in my life. Um, so I think that's really cool. And that we are all leaders and we are all students. 
So tell me about the lineup for this year's Camp Climb. Yeah, so we have Aaron Lochner coming back for Camp Climb 2020 and Natalie Frank coming back. Those are our two secured spots. Natalie Frank is the founder of Rising Tide Society, so she has chapters all over the nation, Tuesdays Together, Get Together, Creative Entrepreneurs, and also is a co-founder of Honey Books, which is a system for your online business or any business that has the contracts and CRM, um, some automation for your business. And then Erin Lochner, she had an HGTV show. She actually had the producers that Chip and Joe from Fixer Upper, mm-hmm. they had, and she got done with her TV show, said, I'm out. And then that production company went after Chip and Joe. So she was like the one right before that. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So she um, resides in Indiana. She lived in LA. She did the fast pace, the frenetic energy. She's getting back to a slower pace. She wrote a book, Chasing Slow, which is amazing, amazing book. So if you are a mom, I highly recommend you to read that. And she's just such a, you just feel so heard when you're around her. And the way she held space for women at Camp Climb was really, really beautiful. And she has really latched on to what's been created. I think she too, you know, having gained a lot of success, you know, writing this book, a beautiful author that she's coming somewhere where she just gets to be treated like another person too, you know, just as much as that base camper who doesn't have anything and doesn't feel her self-worth and doesn't know what she's doing on this world, but knows she wants to make a mark can feel the same exact way that somebody up there that's making a million dollars plus every year, you know? So is it only for entrepreneurs or who, do you have to be a mom? What's? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have our tent, base tent and peak tracks. So the tent track has a business and also the peak. Our base track does not have to have a business. Okay. You are coming there to try and figure out what your, how your, what is, you know, that you want to make a mark on the world. You know that you're better together in community. Um, You're looking to bridge that um, gap from loneliness. A lot of the new moms, you know, that are like, I, where I was sitting in that position of, I need flexibility. I need more freedom. I want to spend time with my kids and live in this corporate, you know, life isn't for me. Yeah. We do this logging exercise with Camp Climb brand and it's just writing down every single thing you do in your day for 21 days and observing how you're spending your time, what's depleting you, what's giving you life. And a lot of times people will have their corporate jobs on there and they will have their side side passion projects and they'll be like, do I even need to log my days for when I'm working? You know, it's just like, that's just how you feel sometimes of like, Mm-hmm. which, you know, just, just sitting there in that moment and just ask yourself that a couple more times. Like, do you hear what you're asking yourself? That makes you think. <laughs> it does. It does. And I know it's hard. It's, it's hard, but the passion projects, those, those give you life. Yeah. So, you, so if you can start to see, even in there, you can start to uh, give yourself just some mind shifts. So we've had people that come in and they're like, we highlight in blue things that are um, negative energy and then things in pink that are igniting positive energy. And they're like, I'm doing the same thing I was from day one to day 21. But by day 21, my perspective on life has just changed so much. Interesting. Just the way I view things. Uh-huh. Um, I actually just had my husband start today doing this exercise. He said, yes. I'm like, let's just do five days. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Cause with all of this personal development I've been doing, um, I don't want to be too pushy on him, but I know he's curious and is aware of, just certain different things of like, wow, you're really handling that situation differently. I admire that about you, but how do I do that? So 
tonight even folding laundry, um, just the conversations and how he was just like, kind of just like no patience with them folding the clothes the way they were folding them and he wanted to be in control of it. It's like, that'll be really interesting when you go to your workbook of like, that it was so depleting for you to fold the clothes with the kids. Sure. Where it could just be a simple mind shift of, I don't know. Mind shift takes work, though. It does. You know take what work. I mean? Like that in yep. itself sounds exhausting because you literally have to like, you have to, you have to, you have to really block out the negative energy. And the negative mm-hmm. energy is super, super powerful. The negative energy is, and with everything in life, there is a choice. So, like even like like I think a lot of like an alcoholic, like you have to give your brain. There needs to be two things there. You're gonna go back and you're gonna keep drinking if you don't always have something else navigating in your brain. Okay. So like with the, you know, it's like I'm faced with a choice, negative, positive. What am I going to choose right mm-hmm. here? I don't know. How do I choose to handle the situation? Cause if you're going to handle it negatively, you can't handle it positively right. too. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Really fascinating. And then also what we put meaning on too. I'm like, I like that. So Things that we think need to have meaning don't always have to have meaning. What do you mean? What's an example? Mm. Like, I'm almost wondering if, like, um, if you mean, like, you know, you go to a pumpkin patch with your kid and you're trying to, like, you're desperately trying to, like, make memories and take the pictures and da-da-da and do all the things for the gram. And, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You're, like, you're putting a ton of pressure on what should be, be like, a regular trip to the pumpkin patch. And you don't need to, like, I don't know, make it a bigger thing than it is, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Or you're not, I don't know. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was trying to think of it in a different way. That makes a lot of sense, though. And I think that... Definitely. Yeah. And just, if we can just keep giving ourselves permission as a community to just be our truest, authentic selves, I think is really cool. Um, and if that brings somebody joy by doing that, but like sitting in, does that bring you joy? Right. Does it Mm -hmm. actually, or does it, are you spending energy on worrying about an image or something? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yep. um, the other thing that, um, it sounds like is important to you is this concept of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you sort of walk the walk in terms of pace because you've intentionally moved to create that slower pace for your family. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. So going and moving up to Cedar Falls and being amongst the frenetic energy, living a half mile from target, you know, if you need the cream <laughs> of mushroom for the castle, you yeah. go get the cream of mushroom and, you know, the car is constantly whizzing, 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 um, and never, never needing to sit still in that because that's just not what you do. And then when we moved out to the farm, um, getting to that slower pace, something that me and my husband was a goal forever. We always desired, my husband lived on a farm. I was in small town, but Mm -hmm. even when I was in the small town, I was like, Oh, it'd be so fun. Our best friends from childhood, they lived on a farm and it was always so fun to go out there. Um, but it was, it took some time to unwind and to get used to that slower pace. I will say it's healed me um, with my uh, mental illness, I guess, of the anxiety. And um, I think that the anxiety, a lot of that came with that frenetic energy and that fast-paced living. Um, I remember in the first months of living out there, I would be driving home with one or two of the kids, Spencer and another kid would be, in town, still doing something. And I just didn't want to go home and be in this lonely home and 
maybe I yeah. can just go to a neighbor's. I'll go to a neighbor's for a little bit and maybe I'll stop by there and see what they're doing for 30 minutes until Spencer will be home and then I'll be there. And now like just that was part of that unwinding okay. and getting out of that fast pace and like being okay to go home to a slower pace. Um, I love to come into town. I'll be talking to my coach who lives out in um, California and you know, oh, I'm going into the coffee shop today. Got to get into the faster pace. You know, I need to get amongst yeah. the energy. So that's like, she's like, what? Come again? And it's just funny. Now it's shifted. Like, I do need to come into town now. Yeah. And I need to like, you know, get on, get on that energy wave and sit at 392 coffee shop and get a good energy buzz when I'm feeling it. But then also to have that escape to go out and just disconnect and yeah, walk outside in my underwear if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> How have you seen your kids benefit from that slower pace? Yeah, their creativity, just using their imagination more, being, um, just being more free range out on the farm and us all just doing life on our own terms has yeah. been really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and we just have a lot of special family time where it's not interrupted, where when we lived in the city on a nice neighborhood cul-de-sac, it was great, but we never just like I shouldn't, we didn't give ourselves permission enough to just go and just be, it was mm -hmm. hard to just be. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people go to find out more about Camp Climb to see if it's a good for, fit for them for this year? Yeah. So go campclimb.com and also on Instagram is a great place to follow us. And that's just at Camp Climb. Um, always keeping up with our Insta stories and a lot of posts on there. We're really digging into the base tent peak tracks. We have early bird pricing right now for Camp Climb 2020, which okay. is going to be dissolving on December 24th. Upgrade options again this year and all of our big keynote, our big keynote speaker to be announced um, after the first of the year and our speakers, leaders, counselors, and getting rid of day passes. So if you are familiar with the Camp Climb brand and have been like, oh, maybe I would step in as a day pass, we are getting rid of those. Okay. Um, I think that this is going to allow for our weekend campers to have an even more deeper, meaningful um, time. Sure. So When everyone's in it for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Emma, you're the kind of person that an hour flies by when you talk to We're you. Because you're, I mean, I'm just so intrigued by your story and by your energy. And um, yeah, it's been an hour and it's just totally flown. That's crazy. So, um, thank you so much for being here. Camp Climb is coming up in August this summer. And um, I guess what other projects should people watch out for you for from you? Yeah, well, we close registration November 15th for okay. Costa Rica. That's an intimate intensive, which is... For, Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, they, this is for the woman who has had a dream in her back pocket for a long time and a deep desire to do it, but doesn't feel supported and equipped with the um, leaders or the courage to go after it. And so you're coming here amongst top-notch leaders who are there to support you and equip you to bring a dream to life. So we have, we have a mom coming who, or not a mom, a woman. She's not a mom. She is building community for the modern mama. She is going to be launching a subscription box. We have another one. Who God, has, I love a subscription box. I know. And her subscription <laughs> box <laughs> idea goes is to subscription boxes. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what a great gift too for that. Yeah. Yeah. Her concept is great. Um, another one 
has climbed corporate is at the top and she's like, I'm ready to go out on my own. Okay. But then also attracting the woman who is a business owner and is looking to take it to the next level, um, gain that deeper connection with herself, gain the louder voice in her community nationwide, worldwide, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Um, sky's the limit. So, and also leaving with sisterhood, which is huge. And I realized the impact that that has had with our Oregon intimate intensive from April, that they okay. also have that sisterhood. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be doing a mastermind. We'll be launching that. And that is, uh, bringing together a group. I'd like to actually start and end that mastermind in person, probably in our home, which will be the first time that we would ever open that up. So that's something to keep out on the lookout for. And another intimate intensive, I'm sure we'll host that and the mini mastermind too. So the mini mastermind would be good for any, any okay. woman. Um, and especially that mom who maybe has hit burnout, has no idea, can't even imagine to be in the camp climb community because she's so lost um, and disconnected because she's lost her identity to um, motherhood. So that is definitely open. And I just want to open my arms up to everybody and know that you are welcome here in this community. I know it can seem intimidating. There are some badass women Seriously. in there. Um, but if you can just, just get the courage to step in, I promise yeah. you that you will be welcome with arms wide open. Um, that's been something that, yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, if you could just sit into my head and see how I view myself, like you would be like, oh, okay, well, we, we're probably at level playing field, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, you are fantastic. I think what you're doing is amazing. I think um, women connecting with each other to boost each other up and support each other's dreams is so incredibly powerful and you're doing it every day. So congratulations and thank you for being here. And um, hey, make sure to um, subscribe to the podcast, share us with a friend and leave a review. Maybe I'll have a bad day and I'll need to read it. So thank you so much for your support of on a mother level. You can find me on Instagram at Denise WQAD. See you later. Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level from the Tribune Audio Network. Tribune Audio Network.